This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Wong. Join us on our quest for a world in which many worlds fit. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. You can follow us online at pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl Okay, Jimmy Campbell, neighbor of Mieke and Rutger, uh, thank you for having me over and talk a little bit about life on Mull and how it's like being also born and raised on Mull, because that's something that Rutger and Mieke don't know because they're fresh here, you know, they've been here for five years, you've been here all your life. So to start off with, how was growing up in Mull? As a child, can you say something about that? Yes, it, it was fine. We went to school, walk away one, one and a half miles from the farm here. We went to school and we, there would be eight or ten pupils in the school. Then when we were 12, we shifted to open high school where there was um, over a thousand pupils at the school and we boarded in the hostel in Oban and that was a good experience. There, was a, there would be a hundred and... 110 boys in the hostel from various islands eh, throughout Argyle. So we stayed in school till we were 16, came home and started in the farm when we were 16. That was. So when did you st- uh, when did you start attending this boarding school when you were 12, 12 or so? 12, uh-huh. 12 year old. So that, that was, it was good experience. We've got a lot more sport, a lot more friends. And we've still got friends that we made back in the school days, which is good. So you said that you were... At 16, you left school, boarding school in Oban, uh-huh. which was a big school, but lots of islanders went there as well. You made lots of friends. Um, and then you start out helping with the farm? In the farm, yes. So uh-huh. your parents already had a farm? They had the farm. They were in the farm here. We, I went from the farm here to Oban, and then he came back home. And uh, my brother was working here, and he, he left to work on the farm in the mainland uh, to, so that I could come home. Yeah. So you had to take in his place? I, t- I took his place and uh, I've been here ever since, that's it. And when was this? When, when, in, which uh, year, when in, in 19... Uh, maybe 1974. And at that time, in 1974, what, was the, what did the farm entail? Did you have cows we, and sheep? We had cows, cows and sheep and campers, uh, even then. We had, campers already? Yes, we had uh, quite a lot of campers, but they were just uh, self-sufficient, uh, the campers. We had quite a number of cows. How many? Uh, we had 50 cows and, uh, and uh, 600 sheep. And 600 sheep? Uh-huh. Uh, my father and I worked that for, for many years until he handed over, uh, probably about in 1984, uh, I became a partner, and then about 1990, I took over the farm. So I've had the farm uh, for two or thirty years myself, running it. So that's been good. So did you also in the seventies um, grow crops? Well, yes, we grew corn and uh, we we made hay, uh, maybe three thousand bales of hay. And you all you grow that to feed the cattle. We grew that to feed the cattle, and uh, we grew we grew some potatoes to eat and to sell as well. But uh, since things have changed, we have a big geese problem now, and uh, crops and that are just non-existent because of the geese. The geese are eating all the. Yeah, they they eat the crops as soon as they're growing, 
the geese in. And is that because of climate change? Because the geese are not going away I do, anymore. I don't think. I don't know. It's just the type of type of goose they were allowed to spread from other islands in the, in the seventies and eighties and nineties, and they've just grown more or less unmanageable now. Big numbers. So at some point, because in the seventies, were you able to feed your cattle from the land? Yes, but or we, did you we, have to buy? We, 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 we bought the in that time we bought a lot of draft for, from the distillery and we pitted it and fed it to the cows in the winter. A distillery on Mull. A distillery at Tormory, the oh, yeah. whiskey on Mull, and the distillery closed. And was that hard for you? It was a, I mean, quite a consideration, but it made life a bit easier and we increased the sheep. We, we were producing more lambs and better lambs uh, since, since we put the cows away. In so lambs. the lambs are being born here, um, and then at some point, I think it's going to happen now or next week, you're gonna, they're going to be shipped? They, they're going to stay sterling and they'll go all over, all over the but they're not fully grown yet. No, right? no they go to be going for feeding in uh, other farms. That's uh, they'll, they'll they'll be used for, used for meat. And what happens with the wool? Is there the a wool, market for the wool? The wool I put away a thousand kilos of wool this year, and I think I got twenty eight pound for the thousand kilos of wool. Really, that's nothing. No, it's nothing. It's it didn't even pay to to shear them. No, no, I paid. To, you do that yourself. We get a, my son-in-law came and helped, and my daughter. And but because it's a lot of work, did you do them all at the same time. Yes, uh, well, in two in two lots we did them, but uh, it's a lot of work, and but it has to be done. If you have sheep, you've got to shear them. And who who buys the wool? Uh, the Where does it go the, to? The wool marketing board he buys the wool. And thirty years ago, the wool, the similar amount of wool, he was was bringing in about three thousand pounds thirty years ago. And now it was, what did I say, £28. <laughs> it's just the way things are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that wool is such a qualitative material, you would say. Uh -huh. and it's, it's such a low price at yes, the I, world and, market. And, it, and it better, it's even better quality wool we're producing now than it was 30 years ago. And we're getting just uh, less money. Nothing, nothing, for, it, nothing no. for it. John, the other neighbour, mm -hmm. he has also sheep. And he sometimes puts them on an island, which I, which for us was very exotic because then the, the sheep have to go on a boat and he then puts them on an island. It's a, yes, it's a lot of work, but his father did that before him and it, it, it was... Do you also do that? No, we don't do that. That's it. But you, because we don't have an island. <laughs> oh, it's his island. It's his island, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. part of his farm. But I was wondering, because I come from a region where, where they're all so sheep, mm -hmm. a lot of sheep, but sheep get into trouble really easily. I mean, the Dutch sheep, maybe the Dutch sheep are more clumsy than the, <laughs> the Scottish sheep, but they fall into the, you know, into the ditch or they roll over. They, they, or do, they, they, do, they do that here as well. They're, they're, they're but they're, what happens then with the sheep on the island, I, I would think? They, they manage them, well, pretty much manage themselves, but the, the, it will be... Because he watches them with the binoculars. Uh -huh. You can't do a lot with the binoculars, but no. I, I don't want really to get into that. <laughs> it's How many well, sheep do you lose a year? It, it, could, it could vary between, between 30 and 60. Ah, well. from, mostly from misadventure. A misadventure as in? Drowning. And, drowning. Uh -huh. we lose, we, our biggest loss in drowning was down near Eredir. 
they, they were out on after seaweed and the tide cut them off and there was a big pile came in, they oh. washed, washed in, that would be probably about seven, seven or eight years ago we washed uh, a big number. Because they eat the seaweed? They eat the seaweed and, the and sea then they the are... Sea, they're on a rock and the sea comes round them in the rock and they're washed off the rock and ah, yeah. they, they, instead of swimming to the shore they swim into the wind and either because they can swim, can oh, swim? Oh, they're good swimmers, they're good swimmers, okay. but they tend to get tired and then they start swimming around in a circle once they, once they tire. And they love eating seaweed? Uh, Is they, that part of their that diet? Part, part of the diet, it's uh, very, very nutritious for them. That's, uh, and I can imagine, because you make it sound like it's all easy, but it, for me, and I'm, you know, I'm from another country and I'm not a farmer, so I'm very naive in this, but it looks like a harsh life. Well, it, it, because it's, it's so ma much l little people, much land, a lot of sheep. It was it, it's made it made easier with, with the thing we quad bikes, etc. And the quad bikes. Uh, uh -huh. Before we would have four or five men to in the sheep. Now we've got one more with one man and two or three dogs and a quad bike, and that does. Uh, and then you can. Drive them. Uh, you, can you can cover a lot more ground quickly. That was it. But I can imagine that you have that you help each other out. We this. help we help each other when the tight when at, at difficult times. If if something's something's wrong, we go and help each other. But water was there because we've had the campsite and we've been kind of tied with that. Very busy. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I was driving out with the Vitre when we visited you to ask you for this podcast. We drove out to the to where the boat leaves for air raid. Oh yes, uh huh. And um, he said, for instance, and I like these these sort of uh, that you do things for each other. Mm -hmm. uh, is that you maintain the road for the Dutch family? Yes, so uh, that, and that, 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 yeah. And you uh, can use their pasture. They, they give me the, the the use of the pasture up at Nibelungen and and things like that. So it, one thing kind of balances the other. So. But that's those are good agreements. You mm -hmm. know, it's mm -hmm. good for everyone. Yeah. Uh -huh. And the Dutch have been there, so they've been good neighbours to us, as, as, as the people in Erid, they've been good neighbours for 40 years, or 40, more than 40 years. Yeah. And then the camping, because you said that already in the 70s, the 70s there were campers? Yes, um, even, even in the 60s there was campers. Uh -huh, that was, uh, so yeah. how did that whole um, tourism industry develop over the years? Well, it developed, uh, we, we were taking campers and there was uh, more coming and we decided we'd have to start providing toilet facilities for them. So we, we, got, a, we got a toilet block uh, and uh, had a couple of showers in it. And uh, this was the way people, what people wanted. So we ended up, we converted the shed where the cows were in. Uh, we turned it into that shed we were in over there. We turned it into a toilet block uh, about 15 years ago. And that has been just a life changer. It's, it's but I heard that you don't you don't do any marketing. You don't have a website. We try not advertise. we try not to advertise. It's just the word of mouth, and it's the it's it's lucky. The location is is outstanding. It's just a natural location, and it's outstanding. So did the the, the clientele or the people that make use of the camping did they change over the years? They, they have changed, but some that have come for up, up to fifty years have been coming. We've got other ones that just come once or twice, and uh, but instead of coming for three weeks or a month now, a lot of people just come for a couple of days and then they move on and they see 
and like other parts of Scotland, the, the, it's a faster moving clientele we have now. Uh, they stay to, shorter. They stay shorter because the ferries are more accessible. And do you feel that they come from other countries or are they mostly UK based? Uh, no, uh, normally in a normal season a third of them would come from Holland and Germany, uh, and France. Uh, this season it's been, well, 99% from the UK. Yeah, but that's because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did COVID affect, COVID affected your business immensely, yeah, oh, I guess? Yes, we, we, we shut the campsite last year and uh, it, gave, it gave the campsite a chance to restore the grass. The grass was getting tired of years and years of traffic on it. And if people uh, stay relatively shorter now than they used to, um, does that change the economy for you? Do you did you change the prices or? Uh, well, no, it doesn't. We just charge a flat rate per night because it keeps it simple. And your daughter is is taking one of your daughters. I, I'm looking at the picture. Do you have four daughters. Four daughters, that's right. Yeah. All healthy, beautiful yeah, daughters. Yeah. So Are they all living around? Uh, no, two two live in South of Scotland. Two of they're married and down in the South of Scotland. One teaches in Tormore. And one farms in open, so that's. Uh, she's a farmer. She became also became a farmer. Well, she's married to a farmer. The one that's going to come home is is going. To, is ah, a, that's a, her. She's a farmer. So he's going to give up the farm. He's given up his farm to come here. That's, uh, well, that's good yes, for uh-huh. you. Yep. That's, uh, that's a big decision for them as it's well. It's a big decision. For it was a surprise. The yeah. decision for them. Yeah, but. And do they have because they're a new generation? They're young. Um, how did how do they look at the future of tourism here? Well, I think it would be the tourism side of it would be part of the attraction. The the principally they are principally farmers, and tourism will come second. But I think they're looking at the longer picture that they'll have to get. So the, they're gonna take over the sheep they'll, business. They'll take over the sheep and the cattle. They'll take they'll take cattle in as well again, and. Uh, and so he's bringing in his cows? He'll bring in some cows as ah, well. That's so the cows are coming back? Some cows will come back. Oh, that's to interesting. Start, to start with that's, uh, Do you still have uh, space for cows? Yes, oh yes, I have. We have I have John's cows on part of the land just now. He have John, ah. he have my neighbour's cows are, are in, in part of the land just now. That's, uh, so talk about John. John is a crofter. Uh-huh. And you are a farmer, and for us, not from here, we didn't know the word crofter and croft before we uh-huh. came here. But I'm a crofter as well, really. You are a crofter <laughs> as well? Really, really, I'm more a crofter than... But what is the difference between a crofter and a farmer? No, it's just not, not a lot, none, none really. We both do the same job, and but our income isn't entirely from farming, and our, our income is mostly from the campsite, so it makes us part-time farmers, really. So, and that's what crofting is, is your income is supplemented by from something else. And basically it is that you have a very strong relation with the land, yeah. and that you live, up, that you make money or you live off the land. Off the land, uh, and uh, well, crofts as well were, were a stepping stone into farming uh, many years ago. That was, uh, you, you could rent a croft from, from a landlord. And do you still know the situation that, the crofters rented their houses from 
the 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 lords. Yes. Or the, uh, that, that, that would that would be. Is there still a lord here? Or is there still? It, a, it's a duke of Argyll. A duke. Is it's, there still a duke here? I have, there's still a duke of Argyll. I don't know if he rents out too many houses now, but he still rents out land. He still has the shooting. And he still owns a lot of houses. He won't. He, he won't own too many houses now, but he, he would have in at one stage. He would have owned quite a number of houses, and so they owned a lot of crofts. He, he owned a lot of crofts, but a lot of these crofts could have been bought for fifteen times the rent, and he had by law had to sell them he, for that. But so, what does a duke do these days then? He, that well, the duke is the duke of Argyll, and he'll have his own big farm in Inverary. He's is it in the north? In 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 Inverary, it's in uh, it's between Oban and Glasgow. Oh yeah, it's, it's in well, fine. So Argyll is a big province. Uh, it's a big it's a big county, big county. But did you ever meet him? I've never met him. No, no, no. no. He doesn't play a part in no, not in, in the he, daily he, life he, here. His factor comes at no time, but we never have because he he still has the shooting on our, on our, some of our land. Because he has the hunting rights? He has the hunting rights, uh -huh. on, on some of our land. Even. And are you able to hunt yourself on your land? Well, I can hunt, and we, we've got the shooting on, on Fijian here, but we, I don't shoot a lot. You don't do it? I, I, have, I have a gun, and uh, but I mainly shoot geese because I've taken over the... Taken over <laughs> because the, you hate them? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I go as far as hate them, but uh, they're... they're Destroying, they're destroying the, 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 the balance of nature here. That's it. Okay, to end this talk, um, I want to talk briefly about Rutger and Miek, who are your neighbours. Yep. And we're interviewing all the neighbours. Well, we're interviewing Judy, John and Jimmy, the mm -hmm. three J's. Um, how do you feel about what they do? I think, they, they, well, I'm, I'm very impressed with what they do. Here. Roger, is, as you know, is a very talented man, he's and uh, meek, uh, very nice lady, and does, she does a good job in the garden and everything, and, uh, but, but Roger, you just don't know what he's going to produce next, he's, he's a man of many talents, uh, and uh, they've been, well, first class uh, neighbours and, and uh, hard-working hard people, the two of them. They're, did you think that they would stay when I they first arrived? What did you think? I just, uh, I just treat everybody as equal when they come, and uh, I've, I've been impressed with them since they came at the start. I, I didn't, I didn't really dismiss them at the start. I thought they were. He said they were here for the long, longer term, and uh, I've taken him at his word, and he's, he's proved that he's, he's proved that many times over. Uh, Do you know Judy? Judy, yeah. yes, oh I Judy, uh -huh. yes I Judy, Judy as well, I settled into, well I, I, her mother, I knew her mother and father we, since, since I was four or five year old and she settled back into island life very well. That's, uh, yeah. but okay, no other than that, I think I've... This is it, you've uh, talked a lot. Oh uh, well I do do you that. You you couldn't talk, but I you can't a lot. I can't, I but were. Thank you so much. In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Travelling Academy, 
an initiative of het Nieuwe Instituut in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Travelling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, sociopolitical and spatial issues.